Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Good job of just freezing. That's my mannequin imitation. Hey, thanks for the little bit extra time this morning with these graduates. Let's give it up for them one more time. And you guys know I, I can be long-winded. I actually, uh, the tech team thought, uh, what are you doing down here so early? I think I preached in less than 20 minutes down the hall. Um, I'm not making any promises, but there's hope. Okay, you guys can hope for it. We're uh, in our teaching series, um, and I want to say, you know, when these young people up on stage, if you ever wonder what a miracle looks like, that's what they look like, you know. If you want to hold the hand with somebody near you, that's what a miracle feels like. But I really I had to whisper to Jayla in her ear our little coded language because years ago, gosh, it seems like a century ago, Jayla had a tough diagnosis of cancer, and we hurried to be with them and, and what have you. And I remember Jayla patting me on the hand saying, Pastor, God's got this. God's got this. Now she's on stage going off to college. Um, so I, I celebrate that. I, I am interrupting our worship series, okay? I did that a few weeks ago. Uh, we had the horrible uh, tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, and, and I just felt like I needed to speak to that, and we had a time to mourn together. We've been in Proverbs. We've been in Wisdom Literature, Job, Ecclesiastes, uh, Song of Solomon, some of the Psalms. Um, in this teaching series, but I had something happen yesterday that, that arrested me in a good way, in a very, very good way, and those verses that Bill read for us, I, I just had, I had to share them today, and I'm not that guy. I don't usually change sermons on Saturday, but my wife and I, we were at the Methodist Conference down in Akron, and uh, one of my best friends in ministry is a brother named Ed Fashbaugh, a long, long time ago, Ed actually was an associate pastor here. I didn't, we didn't even know each other back then. I think that was back in like 1990. But we've been dear friends. And Ed, uh, even though he's my age and very athletic, very fit, um, COVID about took him out nine months ago. He was on a ventilator for 35 days in Canton, Ohio. Um, there was only two pastors allowed to see him, our bishop and me. And I was doing the best I could, providing some care for Amy and for his family. Um, it was not looking good for Ed at all. Well, yesterday, Ed got up on the stage in Akron and preached from those verses. From those, I think we have a picture. I think we have a picture of Ed, if you want to throw that up there. There's, there's my buddy um, preaching. And the theme of the conference, if you can see that, uh, draw the circle wide with love. I wonder where they got that. Um, Justin, Jess, and the band were down there leading ordination service. David Kim, our young ministry intern, he, he preached the Holy Spirit down on that place on Friday. And uh, draw the circle wide with love. Ed read these verses that you heard from 1 John. Um, and I, something just pierced my heart. 
You know, and, and he said when he was looking death in the eye, unsure he'd ever see his wife and kids again, he said he was kind of like learn on my dime. He said the only thing that mattered to me at that moment was I knew I was beloved of God. And he, and, he, and he immersed himself in these scriptures. Now, did you notice when Bill was reading that scripture, if you guys saw it online as well, um, 14 verses, right? Did you see every time he mentioned love, I put in yellow? Did you count them? 28 times in 14 verses, John is sharing with us about our need to love. And that God has loved us, and that love ought to have an effect in us, and it ought to overflow in our lives and to others around us. And if we don't do that, then we confess with our very lives that we don't know God. And I, I'm just thinking of that, um, and it, it, just, it, it just wiped me out. It just wiped me out. I was awash in tears. I'd been on the journey with him. But thinking, you know, we make it so, we humans make it so hard. But God has really told us the ingredient for healing the brokenness of our world. It's love. And a perfect love that we've got through Jesus Christ casts out all fear. Now, I don't know about you. I had never really thought about well, the way John is sharing this, that fear is almost, he's saying, the, the antithesis to love. The opposite of love is not hate. I've heard Ellie Wiesel used to say the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. But for John, the opposite of love is fear. And why is the world so broken right now? Because everybody's so afraid. We're afraid of the other. We're afraid of the ones who are different from us. We're afraid if we let down our guard, right? And God is, John is telling us there is a perfect love in Jesus Christ that can come into your life and cast out everything you're afraid of. Cast out all of the, the biases and all the, the fears. He can eliminate it and make you capable to love others. And so just a few things as we look at these 28 love times, right? The first thing I want us to notice, and it's interesting, the love of God and Christ, the Christians had to make up a word for it. You've probably heard of the word agape. Like that wasn't really talked about, but that, that, that word about love, but they had to create something because it, it's not just erotic love. It's not just, you know, brother and sisterly love. It's, it's a love of God pouring out Jonathan Edwards said, you know, just as the world was covered with a flood with Noah in the ark, that Jesus Christ was God's love poured out on the world. For God so what? Loved the world that he sent Jesus into the world, not to condemn it. Thank you, thank you, Lord. But to save us from ourselves. So John, in this, in this verse, I heard a news commentator years ago. His name was Ted Koppel. Some of you millennials will have to Google that. Um, but he was talking about the Ten Commandments one time, and he said, you know, he said it wasn't the Ten Suggestions. And, and I think that's the way that uh, John frames this for us. He's telling us that agape love is a command. Did you hear the verse that followed that? The next slide, if you guys can. It's the commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God, say that word with me, must, must love others. Like this is a requirement. This is what, what we're designed to do, to receive the love of God and love others. Um, I, I heard a story from Mother Teresa's life that I wasn't aware of. It was, you know, late in her life. We know her ministry to the poor and the oppressed in India. But she was setting up shop in Australia, in Great Britain, and in the United States of America. 
And people said to her, they said, my gosh. They said, uh, you know, um, those are some of the wealthiest places in the world. Why do you need to set up shop there? He, she said, because they're very, very wealthy, but they're impoverished in love. We've got all these toys. We've got all this stuff. But we had a big hole in our heart of feeling the love of God, right? I read this story that said the week of Halloween this past year, we spent $8.5 billion on candy. But we're starving for love. And John tells us that love is a commandment. And it's not, agape love literally in the Greek meant gift love. It's not need love, right? I always say it, there's a drain them dry love and there's fill them up love, right? Drain them dry. You know, have you ever had anybody love you like that? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Anybody remember John Denver? I am really dating my, my wife's going to be so mad at me. She said, you get so old and corny. <laughs> Take me home, country roads, Rocky Mountain High. John Denver was kind of a pop country singer when there was such a thing. And back when I was growing up, he did a song called Annie's Song. Anybody remember that? You fill up my senses like a night in the forest, like a walk in the springtime, like a walk in the rain, right? And they used to sing that at every wedding growing up, when I was growing up. And I got listening to that. I'm like, you know, it's a drain them dry song. She says, come fill me again. Fill me, fill me, fill me. Give me, give me, give me, right? That's drain them dry love. But Jesus had fill them up love. When he came into people's lives, he poured out his heart to them. They've got a little saying in Italian, Ti voglio, I'm going to screw this up. Ti voglio bene? Any Italians in here? Did I do okay? I'm from Youngstown. I know a few. Um, but te voglio bene is, is interpreted really as expression, I love you. But what it really means is, I want good for you. They, they hear, I love you, but I want good for you, literally. That's fill them up, love. That's pour into other people. And John tells us this is a commandment, Right? And so, what does that love look like? He's clear with us. That agape love, it came down in Jesus. It poured into the world in Jesus that God so loved. What's the scripture that he said? Um, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we saw what love looked like, right? John would write in his gospel, we've seen his glory. The glory as a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. And we've seen what love looked like. When people were hurting and they came to Jesus, he healed them. When they were hungry, he fed them. When they were ashamed of themselves, he forgave them. And that was just a prelude to the greatest gift he was going to give and he said in his gospel, John records that too, greater love has no one than this, that Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross and died for us. Um, we're all hungry for that kind of love. We don't have problems, we look all over in all the wrong places, right? When it's right here for us as we've seen Jesus the Christ, the face, the name above all names, who came into the world to love us, and said, like, while we were still broken sinners, he died for us and poured out love to us. I, w I was reading Sebastian Younger, if you know him, he's a, a writer. 
He recently did a bunch of studies amongst military men and women who were deployed for years and years in Afghanistan. And almost to a person, they said they actually wanted to go back, even though they had been in horrible situations. But they said they couldn't find in their civilian life the brother and sisterhood they felt united with a common cause. And Sebastian Younger, he, he defined it this way. He said they had a mutual agreement in putting safety of others ahead of their own and of loving others more than they love themselves. And people were actually willing to go back into hell to experience that kind of selfless love. We're all hungry for this, friends. And Ed was reminding me to learn on that dime that when we comes to that moment in our life, the only thing that's ever going to matter. You see in our children's ministry over there, our volunteers walk around with what? They say, they have a little saying on their shirts, 100 years from now, the only thing that's going to matter to a child is their relationship with God, <laughs> right? And that's all of us, and it's available for us. He's given us this. He's equipped us for this. And he's not orphaned us in this journey, right? The third thing is the Holy Spirit empowers us to love beyond ourselves, to love beyond our own little defined boundaries. And that's why John writes that verse that the, the Holy Spirit empowers us to love beyond ourselves. You see this, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. He's poured out his Holy Spirit in us that we can love and live selflessly. I love, Ed quote a little scripture. I don't know if scripture was a poem that I'd never heard before. He said he learned it growing up and he was teaching us that we need to really focus on boundary breaking love. Love that can overcome. What does it say? You know, Peter said it best. He said, when in doubt, just love others because love covers a multitude of sins. And Ed was reminding that. And he put this little poem up there. It was called Outwitted. I had never read it before. But it said, he drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We just drew a circle and took him in. I love that. And that's our call here at Garfield. I want us to love so loudly that the city of Cleveland feels that all over from north to south to east to west. Just love out loud, man. I've said from this stage before, our job is to love the hell out of people. And I'm, I will say that is theologically correct. Right? That's, what, that's the love that we need to have. And that's the love that we're all hungry for. And that's the love that I hope, dear graduates, you felt from your church family today and the love we feel from one another, right? We, you guys have broken about every boundary there is to break in 21st century. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Let, let's love exceptionally. Let's love unusually. Let's love with the love that Jesus Christ has loved us with. That was the message from my friend. And friends, I think that's the secret to healing this wounded and broken world, that people are willing to love that way. Paul said in Romans, when you love others, you fulfilled every iota of the law. So I was thinking this morning when I was talking about that, that, that what I've just laid out for you. I read a book years ago by a guy named Robert Fulgham. If you remember Robert Fulgham, he's the one that wrote the book, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Um, but he was kind of an ornery writer. And Fulgham said he had a habit. He would uh, go to teaching conferences and, you know, all over different interests all over the world. And inevitably, the speaker would, at the end of the message, would say, hey, you know, any questions? 
And Fulgham would always wait, and he'd put up his hand, and he goes, yeah, I have a question. What's the secret of life? And every time he'd ask that, the guy, okay, smart, smart Alec, and, you know, they'd laugh, get their books, and leave. He said one person had the courage to answer his question. His name was Alexander Papaderos. If you know anything about him, he founded a monastery in, on, in Crete, in the island of Crete, that was trying to heal the, the Greek people after they were, still had animosity between the Germans and the Greeks um, from World War II. They, Hitler's armies invaded Crete, and these people came after him with pitchforks, and so they slaughtered him by the, by the thousands. But Papaderos formed an academy for peace right there where, where the remains of both armies were laid to rest. And Fulgham went, and at the end of it, he raised his hand, and Papadero said, any questions? He said, yeah, what's the secret of life? All the, all the students started to laugh, but Papadero put up his hand, and he looked, Fulgham said, for a long time to see if he was serious. And he pulled out his wallet. Now, of his wallet, he had a little mirror. It was round. It was about the size of a quarter. And Papadero said, when I was a child, we were very poor. When the Nazis invaded Greece, there was a stormtrooper whose motorcycle crashed by my house, and glass from the mirrors was scattered. He said, I tried to put it all back together. I couldn't do it, but I got the biggest piece, this one, and I rounded it on a stone, and it became for me a toy. He said, I would try to shine light into dark places, you know, ricochet it down a well, into his closet, places that the light wasn't able to reach by itself. And he said, I played with that incessantly, but when I grown to be a man, I knew that this is what God had done with my life, that I'm not the source of the light. John said, we have seen his light, right? And it was the light was the life of all people. I'm not the source of it, but I can reflect it in dark places, and I can reflect it into dark hearts. And that, he said, is a secret to my life. Fulgham said, I left there, and I don't really remember much of the topic that Dr. Papaderos lectured on that day. But in my mind, I have a little mirror in my wallet. You and I are those mirrors, friends. You and I need to reflect this love that John, you know, shouts with a megaphone 28 times. I've read these verses probably 10 times since yesterday. I encourage you to read them too. And open your heart and reflect the love that Jesus paid for, and he paid for it at a big price. So say it with me, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only for you and for me. Amen? Amen. All right, I, I cut you a little break today. I still got six minutes on my clock. Let's pray together. Hey, Lord, we're so grateful to be um, made in your image, each and every one of us. Would you continue to let your Holy Spirit fall on, fresh on us that we might reflect that image one to another and to the world? God set our hearts on fire for love. In Jesus' name, amen.